In today's show, I'm revisiting my Dynasty Rookie Tiers for Dynasty Leagues. It'll change again after the NBA draft, but let's give it an update right now. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. We're eight days away from the NBA draft. There's going to be a live show on my channel Thursday, 22nd of June, starting at 7.45 p.m. We're going to go through the draft. We're going to be reacting to everything that happens, whether it's trades or picks or whatever. So join me on the YouTube channel, 7.45 p.m. Thursday, 22nd of June. Today's show is Dynasty Rookie Tiers. I have got 20 tiers for my Dynasty Rookies. I will not be telling you tier 20, because there's like 50 blokes in it. It's basically everybody else. So we're going to start at tier 19 and go through these dynasty rookie tiers. Now, the way that I use my, or the way that I formulate this is that there is weightings with a lot of things in my dynasty tiers. There is fantasy translations from either playing in college, playing in G League, playing in overtime elite, playing in Europe, whatever it is. So we translate those numbers, what they would look like in fantasy as a rookie. It's very hard to translate that stuff four years in the future. So we translate just the general shape of their fantasy game with a bunch of data. So do that. The other thing, the two other factors that come into it are the age of the prospect. So a player that comes in at age 18 versus a player that comes in at age 22. The young player gets the big boost. Obviously, you've got more years for them to be in the league. You get more value out of them. You get more development time as well. And the next factor that's weighed into that is draft capital. Now, the reason this will change relatively significantly from here versus after the draft is at the moment, I'm using draft capital by using, I think I've got... 10 or 11 different mock drafts slash big boards and using the overall rankings and median value of draft position plus my own big board, which gets weighted higher than the others because this is my dynasty rookie rankings. So I weight my opinion on where those players fit from a real life perspective into the overall formula. But once the NBA draft happens, there'll be two parts that I look at. It'll change to What is the actual draft value of that player? What do the NBA and teams, how do they value that guy versus how I value that guy? They're going to be the two factors. The other mock drafts and all that stuff, I'm not going to use that when we get to the draft. It's going to be, what do I think of the players versus what do the NBA teams think of the players because draft capital does have an impact on the value or how much a player or how many chances a player gets, how much opportunity is given to them, how many resources are put into developing, and that is a factor. So we use age, we use draft capital, which at the moment is mock draft ADP plus my own big board, and we use fantasy stat translations. That's how we get to this. And again, this is there is a level of subjectivity because of the big board that I have. That's my level of subjectivity. 
And as, as I go through this, I'll say, yeah, look, this is how the numbers spat it out, but I might actually put this guy higher when we get around to it. And we'll see how that ends up. So that's a long way. It's a long, long run up for me to get into this. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with tier 19. So that's 52 players we're going to be talking about today in terms of um, where those tiers fit. At number 52, it is Tumani Kamara uh, from Dayton, an older wing player. I don't need to go through these guys too much. Now, as I said, I've got a tier 20, but there is 30 guys in it. I'm not going to go through all those. Th- Actually, there might be th- more things, 40 players in that tier for me. I've got, yeah, 40 players in tier 20. So there you go. Um, Tumani Kamara at 52, Mike Miles Jr. at 51, Jalen Slauson at 50, and Amani Bates at 49. The guy there to watch it, two of those guys, Slauson and Miles, I have, um, I think they're better options than Bates and Kamara as fantasy players, but they're not even on some people's mock drafts. Like they're not even, maybe they don't get drafted, especially Miles. But if, say, Mike Miles or Jalen Slauson was to get picked at 36 or at 40 or something like that, then they would jump significantly. That's what I'm talking about when we look at how this is going to change post-draft, what team they go to, where they get drafted. Slauson and Miles are going to move out of this tier 19 if they get picked higher than the position that they currently are being mocked at, which is relatively low um, in terms of the overall ADP. Like at the moment, the Miles median draft position across the mocks is 52 and Slauson's is 58. If they go at 40 or at 35, even if I just quickly chuck that in now, say it, Slauson goes at 45, that in my formula, jumps him to tier 15. If Miles goes at like 40, that jumps him at tier 15 as well. So there will be some big changes there. So that's where they sit. So tier 19 is Kamara, Mike Miles, Jalen Slauson, and Amani Bates at 49. Tier 18 only has one person in it. Again, this is all formulated in terms of I give these guys a ranking score and there's a tiering system and only one person feels it fits into my point scoring range for tier 18. And that's Seth Lundy from Penn State. A bit of an older player, and he's the guy that's pictured there uh, up on the screen. An older player, a three-point shooter, but could very easily go in the 30s as a strong 3 and D, mainly three, sort of wing player, which would push him up. Now, he's not a particularly strong um, fantasy uh, translation player, but he's he's not terrible. And there's a lot, and this is how this draft differs to a lot of other years, is that a lot of the players coming in translate unbelievably well. In previous years, so many of them are like, well, you translate as 240th or 210th or 300th. This year, it's like, yeah, everyone's like 100th or 120th or 160th. There are some guys who aren't particularly high, and we can go through those players at the moment. But um, Lundy translates well. Tier 17 is also just a one-player tier, and that's Overtime Elite's Jazian, Jazian Gortman. I don't know how to translate Overtime Elite. We don't really know at all. They, are, they have some really high defensive numbers. That's the problem with the Thompsons as well. Um, Gortman doesn't have the high blocks, but he does have the high steals, and he's translated unbelievably. I think he... I don't know whether he gets drafted. I think he probably ends up as a two-way player, but he does have some very interesting fantasy skill set. He comes in at number 47 in Tier 17, Jazian Gortman. And then Tier 16 is two players for me. Uh, 46 is Jalen Clark out of UCLA, who's dealing with that Achilles problem, which is going to cost him a little bit. He's got an insanely high steal rate, and his fantasy translation numbers were really, really strong coming across. He is almost 22, but part of the problem is he's going to be drafted so late and with the injury. And then at number 45, the other player in my tier 16 is Adama Sonogo. 
from UConn. He also translated really well. If he goes early second round, he'll jump really high. But at the moment, he's looking like a late second round player. He's 21 years of age, and he sits into that um, into that zone as tier 16. So my top, all those bottom guys there, you've got Kamara, Miles, Slauson, and Bates in tier 19. Seth Lundy in 18. Jazin Gortman in 17. And then Jalen Clark and Adama Sonogo in tier 16. That takes me through to uh, number 45 on my list. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You want tickets to an event, local event, whatever it is, theater, comedy, musicals, sport, it's all going to be there on Game Time. The lowest price guarantee they've got, the event cancellation protection, they've got job loss protection as well. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. It should be straightforward and easy. It shouldn't be something you have to plan months in advance. They have their flash deals. They have things happening in your local area right now. Click on the, the app, open it up. Hey, look what's happening tonight. Do you want to go? Yeah, let's go. Great prices, great tickets. You can see the views from your seats as well. So you go right in there and look, hey, well, well it's going to be a great view for us there. And if you find tickets in the same section and same row, at a cheaper price, Game Time will refund you 10% or 110%, sorry, of the difference. Buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. They get sent straight through to your phone. You don't have to dig through your emails to find them. So download that Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's go to the next part of the um, of the list. There are a lot of players on that screen, as you can see, if you are watching this on YouTube. We'll start at number 44. I've got two players in tier 15. One of those is Connecticut's Andre Jackson Jr., a guy with comically low usage, um, decent enough steal rate. Translated okay, didn't wasn't great fantasy-wise. Like he's, a, he's very close to being in the same tier as his teammate, Sonogo. He is projected, according to mock draft ADP data, you know, 14 spots higher, so 40 versus 54 for Jackson versus Sonogo. They're the same age, but the reason they're so close in their um, tiers is that Sonogo translates as a much better fantasy player. But the ability or, or the draft capital of being a higher pick for Jackson gives him a little bit more rope to play out. But again, if, if I was to put Sonogo up at number 40, well, he would jump you know three tiers higher than where Andre Jackson currently is. And the other guy in that tier is Jordan Walsh, who sits in tier 15 at number 43 overall. Walsh from Arkansas. The, the, the real worry with him is the shooting. I think he's going to be a really strong defender in the NBA, but that doesn't always translate to good fantasy numbers. And he's Fantasy translations were relatively poor. He's got the advantage of being young. He's only 19. He's not even 19 and a half. So he's got that advantage. He's got the defensive profile, but the overall fantasy translations for Jordan Walsh weren't particularly strong. So he sits there in tier 15. Now, tier 14 is a bigger tier for me. I've got four players in there running through from 42 through to 39. At 42, it's Julian Strouder. 41, it's Omax Prosper. I just don't feel right calling him Prosper. It just doesn't. There's no way his name is Prosper, right? Am I making? Am I imagining this? His name is not Prosper. It's Prosper. Has to be. Anyway, I know I'm getting caught up in that. Olivier Maxence Prosper. That's what I'm going to call him. Maybe he is Prosper. I don't know. I've got him at 41 in tier 14. Kobe Brown from Missouri at number 40 in tier 14. And Marcus Sasser from Houston at number 13, uh, 39, sorry, to round out tier 14. So a, a bunch of different players there. Strouder, a good shooting, good rebounding um, guard slash wing. Prosper, a good, really good defensive wing who is is not that young. He's 21, but has come on really well at the moment. And 
could very easily sneak into the first round. Out of these four players, he does have the highest median uh, draft position at number 30, and that boosts him, but he's also got by far the worst fantasy translation. Like, compare him to Kobe Brown and Marcus Sasser, who have got unbelievably good fantasy translations, but they are two to three years older than where uh, Prosper is, and they're also probably going to get drafted 10 spots below him. So that's how we try and balance these things. So if you put Sasser and Brown at the same age, at the same draft capital, they're way ahead of where Prospera and uh, and even Strowther is because he doesn't have a great translation. But we're looking at Prosper with growth, development, investment with a team, buzz, all that sort of stuff, which does push him at least into this same tier. But he is a player, and you can tell, like, if he's going to get drafted in the first round, he's going to have less fantasy appeal than what someone being picked at that spot. And that's something to also pay attention to. If you look at someone who gets picked at 30, are they the 30th best dynasty rookie? And someone like a Prosper is not. Whereas Kobe Brown, if he gets picked at thirty uh, at forty five, where he gets yeah he jumps up and gets picked uh, a little bit higher. He's got a great fantasy translation profile, but he's older. I'm not really sure how the fit works in the NBA necessarily. But there are different sorts of players. Sasser, another one, a little bit small. Does he get enough minutes? But if he, if he was, someone was convinced and picked him at twenty seven, you jump him way up because of the good fantasy translation numbers. Tier thirteen has a bunch of players in it. Um, we've got quite a few guys in that list. Who have we got there? Oh, how many have we got, actually? One, two, three, four players in Tier 13, running from number 38 through to number 35. At 38, it's Julian Phillips from Tennessee. He gets a boost for being young. Um, he is only 19. He's probably going to be an early second-round pick. Might be a late first. He didn't translate well with his numbers, but it's, again, giving the boost to uh, upside, to potential, to, to age, and there is a role there as a 6-7 seven, seven type of wing. Um, at number 37, it's Turquavion Smith at number 13 there as well. Really good usage upside, really good um, shot creation upside, horrible efficiency numbers, and that made him translate fairly poorly. He was a guy that might have gone in the top 20 last season. Is probably not going to be first round this year. So there is some talent there with him, but it has dropped off and where you've got to go by what we just saw and how the NBA is currently valuing someone like Turquavion Smith. So he sits at 37 in tier 13. The other guy, one of the other guys in tier 13 is Trace Jackson Davis. I've got him at 36. Now, his fantasy translations were unbelievable. One of the best in the entire class. In fact, I think it might have been like top five in terms of overall fantasy translations. He blocks shots. He gets rebounds. He scores. Um, he had some assists. He got steals. He had some strong percentage numbers. He translated unbelievably well, but... He is 23 years of age already. He's over 23. He's probably going to be a second-round pick, so that pushes it back down. So you've got him and Julian Phillips in the same grouping here. Phillips, unbelievably worse from a fantasy stat translation perspective, but just the upside, the four years younger, the fact that he probably goes higher than Jackson Davis in a draft. It gives him that extra value, whereas Trace might be able to put up numbers, but maybe he never plays more than 16 minutes a game in the NBA, and that keeps him a little bit down. But he is a really high upside. Or Jackson Davis is not a high upside player. He's a high fantasy uh, player of interest that if he does go at pick 45 in the draft, then you would take him much higher than 45 in a dynasty rookie draft. And then Jaime Jaquez Jr. Um, also translated pretty strong, a little bit older, there is some talk of him at the moment. I've seen recent mock drafts in the last two to three days and big boards jumping him inside the top 30. So that's going to push him probably a couple of rounds um, or a couple of tiers ahead of this. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up as a tier 11 or tier 10 sort of a player up inside the top 30. He's a pretty strong fantasy translation guy, a little bit older, a strong passing guard who can shoot. Um, there is value in him as a player. So he's one to watch who might move up as we move forward. 
In the next group of guys, we've got uh, tier 12. There's three players in this group. At number 34, Ben Shepard from Belmont. Number 33, Ryan Rupair from the New Zealand Breakers in Australia. Well, obviously in New Zealand, but in the Australian NBL. And number 32, Amari Bailey, who's in tier 12. Now, Shepard, a little bit older of a player. He's about to turn 22. He could be a first-round player as well. Not the most well-rounded overall translation game. Solid but not the best, and it puts him here. Repair, on the other hand, is really bad fantasy translation numbers from New Zealand. Uh, this the, the numbers don't look great coming out. You've got you know, the uh, the guy like uh, Usman Jeng, who played for New Zealand last year. Again, horrible fantasy translation numbers. And to me, Repair, out of the French wings that are going to go probably in the first round, Repair is by far the worst of those guys behind Sissoko and Bilal Calabelli. Calabelli? Calabelli. That's how we say it. Um, so repair, but if repair goes in the twenties, then the, the the value of him jumps up. He's very young; he just turned nineteen, and that gives him value. But overall, the fantasy translations weren't strong. And then Amari Bailey is a really interesting one. Came into the college ranks highly regarded and didn't do a huge amount. There is one mock draft out there, and it's consistent. CBS has him insanely high at like fifteen, which is crazy to me because nearly every other draft has him in the thirties. If Amari Bailey, like his median draft position is 36. If Amari Bailey goes in the 20s, like say he does go at 22, he's going to jump way up to be like a tier 8, tier 7 player because he's very young. He's got an okay fantasy translation. It's not brilliant. It's okay, but he's very young and it's all going to depend to me on where he gets drafted because there is some people who think there's a level of hype about Amari Bailey. He comes in at number 32 on my Dynasty Rookie tiers. To finish off this slide at the moment, we've got Tier 11. Two players in that, 31 and 30. Number 31 is Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine at, in Tier 11. Um, a lot of people like Lewis. I'm not as big on him. I'm just He started off the season really hot, fell off completely second half of the year. Which one of those is real? I don't know. And I worry about what else can he do apart from that. I think that yeah, he's an okay fantasy translation player. He's not the best one. He's a little bit older, like he's a year and a half older than the other guy in tier 11, Nick Smith Jr. So he's just about to turn 21. He might be a first round guy. He probably is, but he could be a late second, uh, sorry, an early second. I've actually got him outside my top 30 on my big board. So that hurts him in my overall numbers here. I just think he could be one of those players who sort of sits there on the wing and he's a wing, but like what's the standout skill for fantasy? And I don't know what it is. And that's why he is there. And then you've got Nick Smith. At number 30 on my Dynasty tiers, he's um, uh, in tier 11. Obviously a young player with huge hype coming in, played through injuries, really good kid, but shot selection's a real problem. Efficiency, a massive issue. Defense, frame, all that stuff is, is a real concern. If he was to go in the top 15, then we jump him way up because that means that teams are really buying into the problems uh, at Arkansas being injury-related, scheme-related, fit-related, spacing-related versus, well, maybe he's just not as good as we think he is. And he's turning into one of those players for me where I just don't love the archetype of that guy necessarily. High-profile high school guy, struggles in college, poor efficiency shooter, probably takes too many shots, can struggle on defense. Um, not saying he's James Booknight, but that's that sort of level of all that sort of archetype of player that ticks a lot of those boxes. We go, yeah, I'm not sure about that. And Smith is falling down draft boards at, at the moment and probably doesn't go inside the top 20. His fantasy translation is actually some of the worst out of everybody. In fact, I don't really know out of the 100 or 93 players that I've got on this list, I think I can see one player who translated worse for fantasy, and that was Chris Livingston from Kentucky, who's in my tier 20. Um, yeah, one player translated. A lot of that is volume and shot percentage and just lack of other things, but that's not a great sign. And that's why Smith sits there at number um, 
at number 30 in tier 11. Let's do the next one. We go through here from 29 through to 16 in the uh, in the tier list. In tier 10, I've got quite a few players in tier 10. I'll just run through them now. It goes 29 through to 24. Colby Jones, um, cheese legend. Where's the cheese? Chris Murray at 28. James Nagy at 27. Tristan Vukcevic at 26. CD Sissoko at 25. And Gigi Jackson at 24. That's my tier 10. Colby Jones has got a little bit of the Maxwell Lewis's to him to me. Like he's a, a strong guard wing play. I think there's a little bit more passing value in Colby Jones. Um, he obviously needs to work on his shot somewhat. But he's, again, a little bit of an older player. He's 21. He translated okay without being brilliant there. He's probably, I'm seeing him push up to early 20s in drafts, so that is pushing his value higher. I don't have him massively high on my own big board, but he pushes into this zone. Chris Murray in tier 10 at 28. He's Keegan Murray's twin brother, obviously. He's probably going to go in the 20s. Um, I just think he's not as good as what Keegan is. He's not as good of a shooter as what Keegan is. He's not as good of a defender as what Keegan is. He translates okay, but he's also 23, so I'm not going to put high priority on him. James Naji at 27 in Tier 10, just a very low usage player who can be a solid rebounder, who can block some shots and be a high field goal guy. I don't think he profiles as a high-minute starter at all, and that's going to hold him back. If he was to be a high-profile 30-minute-a-night starter despite low usage and low offense, we know that those centers can put up big numbers in fantasy or, or big ranking performances. His numbers coming out of Barcelona, though, weren't particularly great. And you see a lot of Europeans who might play 18 minutes a night, and the translation numbers are great. Like, they weren't for him. Like, they were okay, but they weren't great. They were sort of very mid. Um, he's getting some hype at the moment as an early 20s pick. I don't know that I, I don't particularly see that, but that would obviously bump him up if that happens. Tristan Vukcevic at 26. His translation numbers were fairly strong. Now, that was on pretty low minutes coming from Partizan, but he did translate as one of the better guys in the class. Um, a little bit older, but elite shooting. If he goes in the first round, he'll jump way higher than this. At the moment, he's looking like a second-round guy, but an elite shooting, volume shooting, three-point guy. He's tall. Maybe he can block some shots. That wasn't really much of his game over at Partizan, but it was also we just didn't see huge amounts of him. So I would have him there with a little bit of upside. I've got Sissoko. In tier 10, and when I look at this list, again, this is based a lot on a lot of different factors. Overall, CD is higher than this on my overall big board. So he's at number 25 on the Dynasty tier list. I've got CD Sissoko on my overall NBA draft board at 19. So I think he is going to jump up when we get to the NBA draft. Because a lot of people, I've seen a lot of mock drafts that have got him in the second round. Now, if he does end up going in the second round, then that he'll stay down in this lower area. But if he does end up going in the 20s, where I think he probably should... Um, then his dynasty tier uh, value does jump up. So I've got him in tier 10 here. He translated okay, but he's he's really young. He did it in a G League level, which is you know, against a bunch of professionals and you know, very good college players. Remember that. The G League opponents, while it is the G League, the players playing in the G League are the... They're not the best of the best college players. They're the second best of the best. So you are going against high-level competition. And he was able to play pretty well. And I think his translation numbers were strong. We still don't have a great idea of all the G League translation numbers for the Ignite because there's been six blokes and we don't have 50 years of that translation number, even 10 years or whatever. We've got six guys that have come across to know that. So that makes it a little bit harder, but he's in, in this tier. And then at number 24 is GG Jackson. 
Um, again, the numbers for him in South Carolina weren't particularly strong, but he does have um, age on his side. He's only 18. He doesn't turn 19 until December, so that's a huge benefit for him. He's probably a late first-round guy, but I've seen some people who have him top 10 or top 15, and that's going to impact a lot of stuff. He does have a lot to work on defensively, shot selection-wise, efficiency-wise, but he gets that boost from being the youngest player in this draft class. So he rounds out uh, group, uh, Tier 10. Tier 9, I've only got two players in it. It's number 23, Jet Howard, and number 22, Jalen hood Shafino. Howard, um, great shooting numbers. Absolutely great shooting numbers. Fantasy translation, not the strongest because he doesn't do anything else. Bad rebounds, bad assists, bad steals, bad blocks. Doesn't get to the line. He shoots threes, and he scores well. Now, some people think he's got some upside to be a little bit more of a creator for himself and creator for others. I'm not 100% sure I buy that, but some people do think that. And then Jalen hood Shafino, who's jumping way up. I think ESPN's mock's got him at number nine. I don't have him that high personally. I have him at 15 on my updated big board. And the part of the problem with looking at hood Shafino moving forward is he's not like he's not old, but he's not that young. He just turned 20. So he's in that the Brandon Miller-Thompson group versus the Victor and Scoot and Gigi and Bilal and all those groups. So he's a little bit older than those players. Um, but if he does end up going top 10, he will move out of this um, tier pretty comfortably. Big point guard with rebound, assist, steal potential. But the problem with him is the numbers coming out of Indiana. He's just a terrible shooter. And that that well, he was a terrible shooter, and that's going to have an impact on the overall translations. At number 21, um, the start of tier 8. Got two guys in tier 8, and that's Noah Clowney at 21 and Jordan Hawkins at number 20. Now, on my big board, Clowney is sky high way higher than Jordan Hawkins. So part of the reason that Clowney is in this same position as Hawkins in this situation is mainly because nearly every mock draft has Clowney below Hawkins from an average as like a four to five spot difference, and that bumps him up. Now, Clowney is also only 18. He'll turn 19 soon. He didn't translate massively well, whereas Hawkins is 21, and he translated it through okay. They're in the same tier here, but again, if I'm just using my own numbers or my own valuations, I would take Clowney over Hawkins every day of the week but I've got to use a, a bunch of different sources because it's not just all about what I think. But if I'm going to give my opinion, which is somewhat weighted into this, but not exclusively weighted, I would definitely take Clowney ahead of Hawkins here. I've got him at, actually, I've got him at number 12 on my overall draft big board, but the fantasy translations for him weren't impeccable. But I could easily see him jumping and becoming a tier six player here, Noah Clowney. Um, Jordan Hawkins, shooting, sure, that's great. That doesn't always mean good things for fantasy, though. He's 21. I'm not sure he does anything else apart from that. I'm not sure how he defends. I'm not sure about his body and his size and his frame and all that sort of stuff, which might limit his overall upside to the team. So he is there just because teams are going to value that shot. But yeah, I don't know how much more it goes from there. Tier 7 is just a one player for me, and that is the pimple himself, Derek Whitehead in Tier 7, a guy that would be higher than this to me if he didn't have that second surgery on his foot. That drops him down my board. It drops him down others' boards. He probably would have been a close to lottery player, came in as a top five recruit, shot like 43% from three, but still wasn't at his best at Duke. Multiple foot injuries, lower minutes. I think he can score. I think he can rebound okay. I definitely know he can shoot. Like I feel better about him than, say, a Jed Howard in being able to do more than just shoot at the NBA level. And he ha he was a really all-round player through the AAU circuit versus just being a shooter. And I think the foot injury and the Duke system and the Duke team in general just hurt Derek. So I do have him at number 19. Tier 6 is three players, all of them guards. Bryce Sensabore at 16, Brandon Pajemski at 17, and Keontae George at 18. George is a player that I've soured on the most out of nearly everyone recently. 
I think I had him at 12 initially. I've got him down now outside my lottery. In fact, I've got... Yeah, I've got him in the 20s. I just... I worry about the player, about the the back problem. Maybe that was an issue, but shot selection, inefficiency on the shot selection, getting to the rim was a problem at times. Um, defense part, like, are you a point guard? Are you not? His fantasy translations weren't um, massively strong. Keontae Joyce, they were okay, but they weren't massively strong, but they were significantly worse than the other two guys in this tier, Pojemski and Sensible. Pojemski has got one of the best fantasy games you will ever see. I don't know that it will translate. He never played at Illinois first year, moved over to Santa Clara and dominated. Is he like the Bronco Jalen Williams? I don't know. They went to the same school, but he has got the ability to be a points, threes, rebounds, assists, steals player with good percentages, which is an unbelievable fantasy guy. So you'll notice that he's almost definitely not going inside the top 20, but he's going to be a plus eight or a plus 10 in terms of real life draft value versus dynasty draft value, I think. Because all he needs is the opportunity. Now, of course, it might turn into Jake LaRavia, who also had similar numbers, not as good as Podjemski, but has done jack shit so far in the NBA. But Podjemski is a guy that I'd be very happy to take ahead of guys who get drafted before him. Like Jordan Hawkins will get drafted ahead of him. Jalen hood Shafino will get drafted ahead of him. Although I might end up taking hood Shafino ahead of Podjemski. But there's just so much there to like. And then Bryce Sensibor translates well. I worry about his knees. So I have dropped it. I had him at like 11 or 10 on my board. I have dropped him back. So I'm worried about the, the meniscus issue. I'm worried about the lack of defense. I'm, I'm worried about, is he just a scorer who's just dominating based on that? He's not Malachi Branham, who was a strong scorer at Ohio State, the way Sensible was, because Sensible is an elite shooter. You could question whether he is the best shooter in this class. I think he's pretty close to it. And that gives some value. And he can do a few other things, but not enough of those other things to push him higher than number um, 16, which is the end of tier six. Now let's go through tier five and tier four in my dynasty rookie tiers. Tier five, we've got three players, Kobe Bufkin, Grady Dick, and Anthony Black. Mr. Black. Bufkin's at 15, Dick's at 14, Black's at 13. Dick, great shooter. I, I am not convinced that he is a player with this great all-round overall upside. He translated okay. Him and Bufkin translated sort of similarly in terms of fantasy numbers. I am more interested in Bufkin as a defender than Dick. I Bufkin's ability to finish at the rim was interesting. Bufkin's ability to play point guard is more interesting to me than Dick. But I feel like Dick's definitely getting drafted ahead of Bufkin. I do have Kobe um, ahead of Grady on my board. I've got Kobe up to 11, and I've got Dick down at 17. So that is going to have an impact when we do the post-draft dynasty tiers, but most other people do have um, Grady. Nearly every draft has Grady Dick going at 11 to the Orlando Magic. So that's where he gets that little bit of a boost there. And then there is Anthony Black, who some people will say are in play, is in play at four or five or six. He's big? Absolutely. He can defend? Absolutely. Can he can he actually shoot ever? Can he is he is he a good passer? I think he's an okay passer. He's got size for sure, but I'm definitely down on him compared to consensus. This is, I would not take him in a real draft ahead of Casey Wallace, but every mock draft will tell you the opposite. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are. I don't know. We will find out. But I am decidedly down on Anthony Black compared to consensus because his median ADP across the mock drafts that I've tracked is sitting at nine. I have got Anthony Black. Actually, I've got him at 10. I thought he had a little bit lower than that. Um, and his fantasy translation numbers aren't particularly strong. 
They're worse than Dicks. They're worse than Buffkins. They're worse than Sensibles, for example, because of the bad shooting numbers. Tier four, I've got five players in it. Leonard Miller at number 12. Bilal Kalabali at number 11. Kaysen Wallace at number 10. Derek Lively at number nine. And Taylor Hendricks at number four. Now, I am really, really confident. Really confident? I'm really confident in saying this, that when I end up doing my tiers, the final dynasty tiers after the draft, that Hendricks will not be here. I really like Taylor Hendricks. I've got him number four overall on my board. I just think that the combination of shot blocking, perimeter defense, um, self-creation upside, shooting ability that's already there, rebounding and size is an unbelievable combination. And the reason that he is down here at number eight, at the top of tier four, which honestly, if I wasn't strictly going by my formula, he would. He, he is really a tier three player. But a lot of people are seeing him drop to 10. Like his median draft position is seven, but I've seen a couple of recent drafts push him to 10, which drops him well down. He translated okay, not as well as some of the other guys in this tier. And that's okay. But all of these, every player from here on out, starting in tier three, or sorry, tier four, translated unbelievably well for fantasy. Better than you would see nearly everyone from last year's draft outside of maybe Chet and a couple of others. Everyone translated better if or equal, if not better than most of those guys. Leonard Miller at 12. There is people, some people who hate Leonard Miller as a prospect to say, we, we don't think he can shoot, but he put up 18 and 10 in the G League as a very young player. He's still 19. He's six foot 10. He was shorter and was a wing. Now he's more of a, a forward. Um, I just think that that scoring, rebounding efficiency, defensive ability, I think can get there. Shooting, I'm not sure about. That puts him into a strong spot. He translated unbelievably well coming out of the G League. The reason that he's here, and I think he has a chance to jump into Tier 3 along with Hendricks, and I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up there you know, by the time I do this next, um, is just that most drafts have him going, like his median spot's 18. I've got him much higher than that. Uh, Leonard Miller, I've got him at 13, but a lot of people have him in the 20s, 27, 28. I think he's in play at 12 or even 10, honestly. I, I really like Leonard Miller as a player. Calabali is at number 11 overall in tier four, still putting up really good numbers over in France. His numbers are hard to pass because half the season is playing juniors, which is fine. Half the season is playing for the senior team for Mets 92. And we can't just completely eliminate the junior numbers because there's some of these guys playing in college, they're juniors. You're playing juniors in college. It's a much higher standard. NCAA is a much higher standard than France junior level. But Calabali dominated. He would score 20 plus a night. He'd get like four assists and eight rebounds and three steals and a block and shoot 40% from three or whatever he was. He dominated that level. Came up to the Mets senior team and has helped push them into the finals. He's 19. He's got a 7-2 wingspan. He's six foot seven as a wing. Um, I worry about the shooting. I absolutely worry about the shooting overall, but the size for him and the fact that he's pushing high up into draft boards gives him draft capital. The defensive ability, some passing ability is good. I think there's a risk of him being overdrafted. And in the end, I think Leonard Miller will end up probably higher than him on, on this board. Number f- number 10 overall is Casey Wallace. I'm always going to give that benefit to Kentucky guards, especially these guys who are considered late lottery players. Shout out to Shea Gildas-Alexander. Shout out to Tyrese Maxey. Shout out to Devin Booker. Shout out even to Jamal Murray, who went at like six or seven in that draft. Wallace... Maybe a little bit shorter than what you'd hope. I think he measured in at, what, six, three and a half in shoes. But defensively, he's there. I think there's offensive upside. I think he's just being significantly underrated at the moment. I've got him at nine overall on my board. He translated actually pretty strongly. He's only 19. 
Saw a mock ESPN had him at 15, which was crazy to me. I would definitely take him over Anthony Black, and he's at that level. Derek Lively at number nine in tier in tier four. Um, the 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 Walker Kessler of this draft. He's not as high level of Walker Kessler, Kessler for shot blocking, but unbelievable shot blocking numbers, field goal percentage, rebounds, and I I do think there is an offensive game there. He came in as a solid offensive player as a top three recruit coming out of high school. Comically low usage at Duke, but he still translated unbelievably well. Like his fantasy translations were strong. If he goes at 10 to the Mavericks, 11 or to 12 in that spot, he will push up higher than this. So I would say that Hendricks, Lively, Miller, and Wallace have a real chance to push themselves into consideration in tier three. They are they are really strong. And this, while it is tier four, this draft is a little bit different, whereas the tier four players are probably tier two two and a half to tier three players in most normal drafts. And that will bring us on to the um, the last grouping of players, the top seven guys. Tier three is three players. At number seven, it's Jarris Walker. At number six, it's Brandon Miller. And number five is Cam Whitmore. These are all younger players with the exception of Miller, who's the oldest out of all of this top seven group. They all translate really strongly. Um, Miller is Maybe going at two, maybe going at three, but I I really don't think he's got superstar upside. I think he's got very good player upside and maybe one to two all-star game upside. I don't think he's got superstar upside. I don't think he's the second best or third best player in this draft. The shooting is really good. He can rebound a little bit, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be a good rebounder or passer or defensive player necessarily. Not sure he ever gets the line enough to make a difference for his free throws. I think he's a good player. But I do have him down there. And look, Jarris Walker, this is based on a lot of the Houston numbers. If he shows something offensively and can handle the ball a little bit, like I'm, I don't really, like compared to him to Taylor Hendricks, shooting-wise, it's not close. Hendricks is there. But the reason Walker gets the nod here above Hendricks in terms of my tiers is just um, he did translate slightly better and he's slightly higher in median ADP numbers. Well, obviously, ADP is an anomaly because I can't... Maybe it's MDP because A is average and median and average are the different things. So in my mock draft MDP, he came out a little bit higher, but they were really close to each other. I probably, if I was on the clock, I would take Hendricks over Walker. And Whitmore, the problem with him is it's just so hard to find an elite upside player who has got no idea how to pass or find his teammates. To have such an embarrassingly low assisted turnover ratio is ridiculous. I think he can shoot. I think he will be able to shoot. I think he's got, obviously, size, athleticism, getting to the rim, drawing free throws. That's all really strong. But in terms of overall superstar upside, if you can't pass or show no feel for the game in that regard, it does drop him down for me. I had him overall on my board. I've got Whitmore at eight. I'm not, I don't feel good about it. This... That grouping between three to eight is so fluid to me, but I do have Whitmore at eight, so that drops him down. Overall, he had five on the dynasty board, but there have been instances where I've been tweaking through my rankings formula, and he's been a tier two guy, uh, joining those other four players above him. And let's talk about the tier two grouping. There's three guys in it. At number four, it's Asar Thompson. At number, um, if I can find the thing, at number three, it's Amen Thompson. I think he's talking to you. And at number two, it's uh, Scootland Hedison because I just think Scoot's really good. Now, Amen and Asar, it's very hard to know. I'm not going to buy the thing that they're just playing against nobodies and everyone of their opponents was 16-year-olds. That's just not real. They still performed really well when playing against professional teams. 
The Overtime Elite program has a little bit of misconception about some of the stuff and the talent level. Like these guys didn't go out there and just dominate the ball. And it wasn't like AAU where they're just taking every shot in the world. They played not NBA basketball because it wasn't. Look, the games were so weird to watch. They're so fast and up and down. But in terms of role within the team, they played a role within the team. They didn't just say, we do everything. Now I have a man higher than Asar. Because his ability to be a primary ball handler, I think, is there. And I'm not sure Asar is. Now, maybe Asar's a better shooter. But I think they both might just be bad shooters. Like, one might be a 30% three-point guy. One might be 34. And in the end, that 4%, who cares? Like, it makes them both bad shooters. And it's just hard to know how to translate. Because they had insane steal numbers, insane block numbers, big rebound numbers, big steal number, big assist numbers. And that all translates unbelievably well. It actually puts them, like, honestly, at a higher level than Scoot from pure translation numbers. They are older, of course, but it's so hard to know how to translate OTE numbers. Now, I do have a man at number three overall on my real board. I have a SAR at six, um, and that gives them that boost up to this position into tier two. I would, without any hesitation, take Scoot Henderson at two in any dynasty mock, even if my projections show a man and a SAR do translate better. I just have more confidence in Scoot being a superstar. But when we get to guys where I have questions like Whitmore and Miller and Jarris, then the overall star upside, which I think a man does have, Asar less so, but if the defense and the passing does click for him, then that's more valuable than what these other guys can bring. So you could make an argument that you take Whitmore over Asar and that Whitmore should be in tier two or Miller should be in tier two, and I totally get it. I got no problem with that argument whatsoever. It's just that I look at that and go, well, if actually if Asar does what we think he can do or there's the potential to do, it's way better from a fantasy perspective. This is your perennial top 40 players, Amen and Asar, whereas Miller might be a top 60 player and Whitmore might be a top 55 player and Jarris might be a top 60 player. And they're all, that's all still really good, right? At peak level, but... Yeah, men and Asar actually might be top 25 guys if it all hits together. And that's going to put you in a... You're a pick four or pick three. Do you want to take the upside of, wow, this guy's a second-round guy in four years' time? Or do you want the the guy that you know, he might be unable to play because he can't shoot versus let's get a bit more safety in Whitmore or, or Miller or even Jarris? And that's a debate. And that's where I've got him at the moment. Do I have to talk about number one? It's Victor Wembanyama. If you're number one in a dynasty draft and you don't take Victor Wembanyama, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong with you. Seriously. Like you've, you've probably heard by now that I took him at number three overall in a startup dynasty mock draft. In terms of redraft for this year, I don't know. He's probably going to go too high. I think he's probably to me a fourth round player, but I've got no idea. I haven't done that yet. And But dynasty is unbelievably high. The bummer news, which was, I think, 100% expected. He's not going to play in summer league, it appears. Fair enough. He's literally still playing now. Summer league starts in three weeks. Under three weeks. So... Yeah, you wouldn't expect him to finish up playing in France, get drafted, and come and play summer league straight away. Luca didn't do it, and I don't think Victor's going to do it either. Totally, it's it's a bummer. I just don't think he's going to play. But what else do I need to say? What do I need to say? Like you're taking him number one. Do you want me to have a hot take? Oh, I'm going to take Scoot number one. I might take Brandon Miller. No, nah, I'm not. Weminyama's number one. It's really really straightforward. And that. Is my dynasty tier list one through fifty-two tiers one through to nineteen with forty blokes sitting in tier twenty, and that does it. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, you thumb it up, and you leave those comments down below. Don't forget live draft show Thursday, twenty-second June, seven forty-five PM Eastern. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>